Hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Chad, and I will be your virtual pastor for the day. Um, good to see you, but not really, because um, I, I can't see you. We're still in this corona time, and I agree with Daniel. Isn't it getting a little bit old? Um, I love the series we're in right now, though, A Hope in a Future, and I need it. I need it for my own heart, and I hope that today is an encouragement to you as well. So I'm going to just pray again for us, pray for God to uh, move in our hearts, for Him to wake us up to the truth in His Word. Uh, so if you feel comfortable, open your hands, even where you're sitting, wherever you are, uh, even if it's later in the week. Let's just trust that the Holy Spirit can meet you right where you are. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the beauty and the wonder of the cross. Just thinking of that last song, hallelujah for the cross, Lord, that you have saved us, you freed us. And we ask for a taste, an experience of that freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ this morning. God, anchor us to the eternal truth of your word. Anchor us to the beauty of your son, Jesus Give us a glimpse today of our future, our hope that can be found in you. We trust you. We love you. Uh, we thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. So I keep asking these questions and I'm going to keep asking them every time we get together. What can we be certain of as it deals with our future and our hope? How can we know that we know it's going to be okay? And we're in a time right now where the fall of humanity, the fallenness of our human nature, our sinfulness is more evident than at other times. And when that happens, sometimes uh, we work harder to fix it, uh, usually to our own dismay, because it's only in Christ that those things can be fixed. But so we look out there and we see in the world that there's so much wrong and so much going on and so many difficult things. And we can't figure out who's saying what. And so we're thinking we have to work harder. And the last place, if we're honest, the last place we usually think about going, and especially now physically, is church. We don't think, oh yeah, I'll go there. And actually I remember in my childhood, church was the place that smelled funny. And the buildings that I was always in, it was like, there's this smell, especially in the basement, the church smell. And it doesn't feel like reality at times. It doesn't feel like that's where we're gonna find the answers, when it comes to real life, it's not the best solution. And we think things, and we, we think things wrongly, but I just want to call it out. We think, you know, this, COVID, racism, political stuff, all the stuff that's happening, we've never seen this before. We've never experienced this level of disunity and disarray, and this is going to require a whole new level of thinking and work, hard work hard work, never ending, long, difficult work to really solve. We come to the Lord because we need that thinking corrected. We need to hear from his heart again. If you're also like me this past week, in the last few weeks, you've had many conversations, <laughs> many conversations about what's going on in the world, what you think may or may not be happening, how you feel about it, what you think someone should do about it, what others think solutions are. Usually most of those solutions, none of them have to do with the church. Have you noticed that? None of them. Or Christ. Maybe you've had a few conversations about masks this week. No mask. You're not wearing the mask. You should be wearing the mask. You're not wearing the mask correctly. I'm not wearing a mask. Everyone should be wearing masks. Masks are an infringement on my religious liberty. 
No, I'm not trying to make a statement about masks this morning, but I am trying to say there's a lot of stuff that's uncertain, isn't it? A lot of things out there that are uncertain, we don't understand, we don't know what we should do, we don't know how we should feel, and then it seems like everybody else has a lot of opinions to tell us how we should feel. The one thing that seems consistent, there's not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of people offering hope. It's not floating out there. The things that are floating out there are a lot of just misery and no hope and disunity and we're not going to get there. And even if your side thinks it's hopeful, the whole other side of the country thinks it's not. And so when we're in this kind of place, we're grasping for anything that has some substance, some sort of foundation that we can grab onto, something that doesn't fall apart in our hands the moment we grab on. Something certain. It's my job and call to tell you that you have a God who understands what it's like to walk around in your skin, what it's like to feel what we feel. He's concerned about very real and practical things, the stuff that you think about with your kids and is school gonna happen? Are we gonna be stuck in this forever? What's gonna happen with COVID cases? Are there really COVID cases? You know, like all of that stuff, he's concerned about it. And don't make the mistake, and I know I've said this for weeks, but don't make the mistake of thinking that Jesus in church stuff is just relegated to the land of spiritual fairy tales and that he's not involved or he doesn't care. On the contrary, all that we are experiencing, going through, wrestling with, and as we have said from the beginning of COVID-19 is all perfectly under his sovereign reign and control. And if you're rolling your eyes at that statement, you are in good company. You're in good company. Because that is the norm for a person who is either walking with Jesus or who's thinking about walking with Jesus. You will find yourself fluctuating. Just depends on what day it is, how you're doing. There's a reason we have stories like the one in Mark chapter nine, where the guy comes up to Jesus and his son is literally being tortured by demons, throwing him into the fire. And the guy comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, if you can help him, that'd be great. And Jesus looks at him and says, if I can, if I can, all things are possible to those who believe. And there's the tension. And the guy says, I believe, but please help my unbelief. I believe in you, Lord, but please help my unbelief. That's this place we're in. I've been there. I am there. As I said, it just depends on what day. So what do you do when your faith feels paper thin? When just the right amount of doubt could cause it just to crumble and fall apart in your hands? When we, uh, almost 20 years ago, went to pick up our daughter in uh, Vietnam, the communist government of Vietnam, we went for the first time and we had to come back in 30 days. And so they gave us a paper about this big, so thin you could see through it. Written her name, our names, some other stuff uh, in Vietnamese and the government. And basically what they said is this piece of paper, this thin tissue, thin piece of paper, you must have it to have Maya be your daughter when you come back. And I remember like you could pour water on this thing and it would fall apart. And so I started thinking about that because 
the truth under the underneath truth about what God was doing in building our family was this. Maya Lin had always been our firstborn. God says before the foundation of the world, he planned for her to be a part of our family. And so no tissue thin piece of paper was going to get in the way of that. And yet we still had to take it back and hand it in. And God used that communist government system and the things that were happening there and our faith and his plans from before the foundation of the world to bring our family together, to make our little family. How can we grab on to the before the foundation of the world truth for today, for what you're going through, for what I'm thinking about with COVID? How do we grab on to truths that come in God's word and how can they be more than just spiritual fairy tale stuff? I'll say that I'm growing more and more in love with Jesus and with his word every day. I encourage you spend that chair time with him. If you're not, man, you're missing out. That is how you grow. That is how you learn. That is how you fall deeper in love with him is spending time in his word every day. One of the guys that I kind of hadn't been so fond of over the years is one that the Lord used to write most of the New Testament and it's Paul. And so I kind of had a, a weird relationship in the way I saw Paul. It was just hard. I love the stories. I love the gospel stories of Jesus coming in and raising Lazarus from the dead and the smell in the tomb and all that kind of stuff. People crying, like I can get my head around this. And then I get Paul and he's, he's a scholar and he's deep and he's going a lot of places and there's not a lot of stories happening. He's just telling a lot of truth. It's all packed, very dense. It's not a weird relationship, but I'm falling in love with Paul. And I think he's very compelling and it's God's word through Paul, but he's the one who has said things like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Take up your cross, follow him. I fought the good fight. I finished the race and so on. Those are Paul. That's what God did through him. He's compelling. His words have been a source of hope for me in the, the last few weeks. They've been a reminder and a call to put my hope in the right place. Remember that the battle we're in, though we think it's flesh and blood, is not. He said to one of his letters in the church in Corinth, he said this, though we walk in the flesh, and we would all agree, yeah, COVID, what's happening in the world, the election coming up, races, all this, if we walk in the flesh, he says, we're not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, take every thought captive to obey Christ. I bet you have a few thoughts. I know I do that need to be taken captive, but those weapons, they have an impact on us first. And then God uses our weakness and his weapons working on our hearts, the weapons of the word of God and prayer and the spirit and worship. And then they start to help us tear down arguments that we hear out there. And because this isn't a nice conversation between me and Satan, we're at war. We are in all out war. I need effective weapons. Don't give me a 22 when there's a 105 millimeter howitzer available. I want the big guns. Okay, I want the big guns to handle these difficult moments. And there are moments when it's time to pull out the big guns. And I would just say, as I thought about what to speak about today, I needed my own heart bombarded with the truth 
of Jesus and the gospel. I was in high school and I had probably one of the lowest moments and I couldn't even tell you what it was. I was just so discouraged and just didn't have a lot of hope. And I had a best friend named Paul and I remember he pulled out a weapon from scripture, a big gun, not a 22, a 105 millimeter howitzer gun. And he said, read Romans eight. I was like, Romans eight, what is that? What's Romans eight? I've been turning there the last few weeks again and again. And today I'm doing the same for you. There are times to open up a can of Romans eight on a heart and a soul. It is both a big weapon and a break glass in case of emergency kind of passage. So let's break the glass. Romans eight, verse one. You can read along on the screen. Uh, Just listen to this. And I remember the first time I read this, Paul told me to read it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now it's packed. It's Paul, okay? He's packed in there. You could spend all day just trying to figure out the things that are in there. And whenever a pastor says that, I'm always like, oh brother, here we go. But don't worry, I'm not gonna do that. I am, I'm a fly high on the story. My goal is to get you with Jesus, spending that time. And so I encourage you, open up this chapter there are great things to be found. But I started thinking, and sometimes I just latch onto a word and condemnation was the word. That's what I saw, condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, when all of this started back in March, do you remember the onslaught of the word canceled that we saw and heard in the news? First, it was small, maybe an event that you were supposed to go to, Um, a Bible study or somebody's house, you're going to go to a meal. Maybe it was a trip or something and it was canceled, canceled. And then it was the complete NBA season because somebody got COVID canceled. And I was watching hockey. I was like, surely not hockey canceled. Everything just started. You just started hearing that word. And then, and I know not everybody agreed, but church, in-person church got canceled School was canceled. For many, 2020 will be remembered, at least at this point, as the year that was canceled. That crazy? Imagine years from now, somebody's going to say, you're going to say, oh yeah, 2020, and everybody's going to go, 2020. Everything's canceled. But who would have guessed that would also include people? You may not be aware, and I've only become aware of it in the last several months, there's something called cancel culture. And what it is, is it's a common thing to hear now. And you may, if you just Google it, you'll see a ton um, hear of somebody. And so what happens is if you don't line up with a certain way of speaking and thinking and doing your business and having the right political opinion and the right religious view, a business approach, whatever it is, you may say something or do something and the mob or the masses don't think it's acceptable. And so they say, get in line or we'll cancel you. And if you don't, and this has happened, 
And it's an online thing at first, but they say you're canceled. And I've seen it. Like you get on social media and you'll see somebody's name, hashtag canceled. Don't buy from this person. Don't talk to this person. Don't interact with this person. They are canceled, boycotted, shun them, publicly shame them, oust them from interaction. And so then people are legitimately having their lives ruined because they did something. They said something. And then you'll watch them. They scramble. People scramble in our current cultural moment to make sure they say exactly the right thing because there's no room to make one mistake ever. And even when they say what they think is the right thing, whether that's about coronavirus, politics, racism, whatever, they still get called out. And then they rush to fix that because they don't want to get canceled. What's the Lord have to say about being canceled? Is it a real thing? Is there a spiritual cancellation? Can you be shunned or canceled by God? This chapter begins with the word therefore, which is always a clue for us that it means it's following something that was just in the previous section. It's an answer to a problem or a question that Paul beautifully laid out in chapter seven. So again, if you're looking for somewhere to jump in, he details what it's like for you and me to struggle with sin on a daily basis. And he says this in seven, chapter seven, verse 15. He says, I don't understand my own actions. The very thing I want to do, which is to please God and obey him, I don't do it. Instead, you know what I do? I do the thing I hate. I do the thing I hate. I have a desire to do what is right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. Can you relate? I sure can. And here's his conclusion. Finishes chapter seven, which he answers in eight, but he finishes chapter seven with this. Wretched man that I am. I'm a tool. I, I'm not, I can't do this, God. And he asks a question and it's a question you should answer. You should ask and look for an answer in scripture. And he says this, who will save me? Who will deliver me from this body of death? His short answer right at the end of seven is thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Jesus answer. But then chapter eight is the big guns. He is going to explain and to expand. And when he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, or to put it in today's language, if you are in Christ, he will never cancel you. If you are in Christ Jesus, he will never cancel you. And the Bible knows all about cancellation, except that it's a much more permanent cancellation. Here you may lose reputation or business, but the Bible talks about losing or gaining your life for eternity. I still remember reading this verse for the first time. Chad, you are not condemned because of me, because of me. It has been a use in case of emergency passage for me ever since. No condemnation for those in Christ. So when I feel worried, I feel anxious, I feel condemned. And if the enemy is trying, and I'm not sure how all that spiritual battle stuff works, but I believe the scripture that says there's a spiritual battle and that the enemy doesn't like me. And that somehow, whether he uses like some really low level demonic influence, I don't know, I'm, you know, maybe I'm not that important. For, for Satan himself to actually waste his time on me. Maybe all it takes is like a slow, low-level demon or whatever. I don't know how it works, but I do believe it. 
I believe Paul when he says, hey, it's a spiritual battle that's going on. So when that stuff starts happening, you know what I do? I Romans 8 it. I open it up and I say, guess what? There's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ. And this is the one person you can tell this, Satan, go to hell. You go to hell. You have no authority in my life. There's no condemnation because I'm in Christ. Now, maybe you're somebody who's like, eh, I'm fine. I don't feel canceled. I'm not worried about spiritual cancellation either. I don't know if I really believe that stuff. I'm not worried about the law of sin and death. I'm just living, just kind of getting along. At some point, and I pray this is a reality for you, you will feel the weight of that sin and true cancel culture. The true cancel culture is the law of sin and death that says you're born captive to sin, under contract to pay for sins. I'll show you a picture from one of my favorite stories and movies. This is from uh, Disney's version of A Christmas Carol. That's Jacob Marley. And it really makes me shudder every time I watch it. I love this story, but this is a great example of what it means to be born captive born under contract to sin, Scrooge turns to his former business partner, now dead, haunting him as a ghost. And Scrooge says, what are those chains? And Marley says, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link, yard by yard. And then he looks at Scrooge and he says, is its pattern strange to you? He said, it's because you should see yours. It's much longer. It's much heavier. And then he finishes with this final line. And it was in Charles Dickens' original work. I just read it this morning. I've got a copy in my office. He says this, it is a ponderous chain. It is a ponderous chain. Now, it's not my job to bring conviction of your sin. I can't do it. You may argue with me that you don't need saving and that you handle your sin well enough. So I may not be able to bring that conviction or understanding in your heart, but I must tell you the truth of your life and my life without Jesus Christ. It is a ponderous chain. And we continue to make it since birth, link by link, yard by yard. And Paul says, but God there's always this conditional thing though, if you have accepted it, but God has done what we couldn't do. We can't break that chain, we can't get free from it. How did he do that? Right there in verse three, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, which you can just read in parentheses. He condemned Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God in the flesh to death. He condemned him to death in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in you and in me who walk not according to the flesh, maybe, but according to the spirit. So here's the question in our world of cancel culture, in the Bible's view of the real cancel culture, are you walking according to the spirit or according to the flesh? Are you holding on to the tissue thin paper of religious effort or the truth of God's eternal plan in the gospel? So let's talk a little more about those ponderous chains. Verse five, those who live according to the flesh, those who are chained, set their minds on the thing of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their mind on the things of the spirit. 
To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Mind set on the flesh, hostile to God, does not submit to God's law. It cannot, can't do it. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You know, in the, there's a book by a guy named Stephen Gross. It's called The Examine Life. And he tells about a day that none of us will forget. 9-11, a lady named Marissa Panagrosso worked on the 98th floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. She remembers sitting at her desk and a hot wave, almost like an oven was open, blasting through the window of her office. She didn't hesitate. She didn't grab her purse. She didn't make a phone call. She didn't turn off her computer. She got up, she walked to the nearest emergency exit and she began the 98 floor descent to the ground. What she found crazy and interesting was that far more people chose to stay right where they were. They didn't get up. In fact, some of them then just made phone calls to outside people. An entire group of her colleagues after that hot wave of air hit the room, they could feel the shudder of the building. They went to a meeting that they previously scheduled. Well, we got a meeting. Let's go on. Let's go over that budget. Everybody pop in here. I know we just felt that blast of air. She was going down the stairs and she saw some people who had made the decision to leave. And then they said, oh, actually, I got to go back up. She's like, what are you doing? Like, well, I forgot a picture of my kids and my purse my stuff, my life. I, I can't leave it. I can't. The chains. To me, this is the clearest example of what it means to walk in the flesh. The building, my life, your life has been hit by the plane of sin and death. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a ticking time bomb and we all know what happened. It will collapse. You need to get out. Instead, you make a phone call. You go to a meeting, you have a moment of, well, maybe I should go, but ah, I'm going to go back in. Why? The chains of sin and death. It's a ponderous chain. Paul says the mind set on the flesh and think just set on me, set on my will, my way is death. Hostile to God. Listen to these words. Does not submit to God's law. Can't even do it. Chained to sin and death. The one thing we need to do to please God, to be in communion with him, we're unable to do it. The bottom line is this, and I would encourage you to say this in your own heart after I say it. On my own, I'm already canceled. On my own, I'm already canceled. In my flesh, walking without Christ, I have no hope, none. And the crazy thing is, if you want to live that way, if you say, I just don't care about this stuff you're saying, you can be left to your own efforts. He'll let you. Romans 1 is the scariest chapter for me in the whole New Testament. Here's why. There's a phrase that keeps coming up. God gave them up and God gave them up and God gave them over. What is it saying? God is saying, you want that life? Have it. You want to pursue your own stuff? You want to stay chained? And it says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And what you're saying is, I want the lie. And God says, okay. In my spirit, I know I should get out of the building. I'll take my chances. So God says, you got it. All yours. Because of the chains 
to sin and death, even though we might have the best intentions of living a great life, being a good person, serving others, living a moral life, you know, being a good guy, you will always, always eventually choose you. It's in your spiritual DNA. It's written there, the sin and death. No matter how hard you try without Jesus, you cannot please God. He says, in fact, you're actively hostile. And eventually he'll give you over. That building that is your life will collapse. The clock is ticking. Isaiah 55 is a verse that reminds us, says this, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The part that rings loud to me is while he may be found, while he is near. What does that tell you? It won't always be that way. On my own, I'm already canceled. So how about your chains? Are they what's guiding you in 2020? No, I got to go back to this. I'm connected to that. It's my way. Or are you free from them? As the gospel makes possible, able to listen to the spirit of Jesus call on your life. Now, this last part, the last few verses only applies if you have said yes to Jesus. If you haven't, read with caution because it'll be a warning instead. It only applies if you have accepted Christ. Instead of being a lifeline, it could be a word of judgment, a word that says, I should have gotten out of the building. Let's read the last few verses. Verse nine. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And I love this, that Paul says this next part. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, it's kind of a heart check, gut check, soul check right there. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I remember uh, scraping my knee as a kid. And you know, you, you're outside, you're playing, you fall down, you scrape your knee and there's a little blood and you're like, <gasps> but then you kind of run in and you're holding it together. You're hurting a little, there's a little blood, maybe tiny bit of tears, but everything's kind of being held back. And then you see mom or dad and then what happens? <gasps> I hurt myself. <laughs> Something happens when we see our parents. And I remember my dad had a, a cool way of comforting. And it would just be like he, you know, he put his arm around me and it wasn't, but he wasn't going to like keep me there forever. Why? Because he knew that it wasn't life-threatening. And so eventually he would resort to tickling me or making me laugh or kind of like grabbing my knee. And like, you know, you're like, you're, you're totally favoring it. And you're like, oh, don't touch it. And he's like, kind of do this thing where he messes with me. And then eventually I'm laughing and I realize it's not that big of a deal. It's all better. Put a bandaid on it. You may have had one of those dads that's like, put some mud on it, man up, <laughs> rub some dirt on it. Why'd they do that? Because it's not life-threatening. It's not a big deal. You're going to be fine. So here's the thing about our struggles with sin, provided we're in Christ, provided we've accepted his work on the cross. 
that fight that we daily have to battle with our own stuff, maybe discouragement that you've been feeling from the enemy, condemnation that are on, it's on the lips of the enemies. He whispers to you and he tells you, you've been abandoned. You've lost your place in the kingdom of God. Who knows what's going to happen? You're not going to make it. You're going to be canceled. Here's the thing about all that. In Christ, the end result of your struggle with sin is like a scraped knee. It's a boo-boo. And God has handled it. It has been handled. It has been healed, made whole, forgiven, taken care of, redeemed, washed away, wiped clean. So for those of us who are in Christ, Paul is like a good daddy applying that good old laughter medicine that reminds us to put some Easter Sunday on it. Put some Easter on it. It's just a scrape. He's risen. Put some Easter on that thing. Think about the truth of what he's proclaiming. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Let me say that again. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Yes, that power, that tomb blasting, stone rolling, breathing once again, heart beating, wound healing, blood transfusing, brain circuits and nervous system firing, creation at work, God power, life giving spirit is in you. Bringing life to your mortal bodies through his spirit within you. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. It's this, all this that's happening, it's gonna be all right in Christ. It's gonna be all right in Christ. He will make things whole. This whole thing ends in resurrection. I don't know if you knew that. Everybody's resurrected. Some to life, some to death. The whole thing ends in resurrection. And here's the thing. My job is to tell you that there's only one thing in life, at least from my perspective, that is mandatory. You want to know a mandatory thing for right now during COVID and all the stuff that's happening? Here's my mandatory thing for you. Accept Jesus Christ. It's life and death. That's the one mandatory thing I'll give you. I won't say anything about masks or whatever else. I'll say though, accept Christ. He's the one thing you have to have. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? All that you see around you, it's fading. It will pass, but those who are in Christ, not condemned. He's your hope and future, the one you truly yearn for. I was finished with this quick story from this morning. Actually, I was driving to work, anxious. It's about 5.50, 10 till six or something like that. I was tired, weary, worried, barely eking out prayers on the way. God, do I have what it takes to make it? Can I be a good husband to Lisa today? Can I love my kids well? Is there anything left in me to speak some words of hope today? That's my biggest fear as your pastor is that I'm going to run out of things to say. <laughs> and the answer is no. In me, it's, it's not. I can't do those things. But the spirit of Christ dwelling in me and my spiritual state of being in him is Yes. And I felt prompted by the Lord to put on an old song. Shane and Shane just did a, a cool album called Vintage. And it's for all of us who are in our 40s um, youth group songs. Um, the, the ones that called us to life in Christ. And it was a song, it's a song called Breathe. And as I was driving here, the sun was rising over Lake Winona. 
and the sun was rising in my heart, the son of God. And the lyric said this, you are my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me and I am desperate for you. I'm lost without you. And then they do one of my favorite things, which is to mash up songs. Um, so they added a line from one of their songs that says, Lord, I want to yearn for you. I want to burn with passion over you and only you. I want to yearn for you. I'm going to burn with passion over you and only you, Lord, I want to yearn. And as I sang those songs, that song coming into work this morning, his spirit quietly brought tears and a gentle reminder to my heart that said, Chad, you're not condemned. I'm alive and well. I'm alive and well. It's all going to be okay. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for passages like Romans 8, which indeed break glass in case of emergency, Lord. And I heard your spirit over the last week telling me to do just that. Thank you, God, that it worked once again. Once again, drew me in spoke life and truth to me. God, I pray right now, Lord, whoever is listening, and if they're listening by your spirit and according to your spirit and their heart is softened and tender and they're tired of the chain, they're tired of living according to their own way. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would open their heart and their voice to just say simply, Lord, I'm done. I'm done with me encourage you just to say it. I'm done with my sin. You paid for it. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to live according to the flesh. Jesus, I want you. I want your life, death, resurrection, and I want to be excited about your return. God, I give you my anxieties about the world right now. I give you my fears place my life in your hands. Accept your love, your forgiveness. I give up my sins. I confess them. I know they're wrong. And I say, Lord, I love you. And I think the only reason I'm saying it is because your spirit's giving me grace to say it. We thank you that it is as simple as that. You minister to our hearts, Lord, as we sing a little bit more. Um, we bless you, Jesus. We thank you for your grace. Amen. I want to just say too, before we jump in, if God uh, was moving in your heart and if you have the grace and the courage to say so, um, put a comment online. Send us one in an email just to say, hey, I, I did that today. I, I gave up and I surrendered to Jesus. We would love to pray for you and just to come around you in your faith. Let's worship together.